This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. The family is underneath attack. In fact, this message says, parenting isn't for cowards. One of the greatest things, in fact, if not, if not the greatest thing, is being a parent. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what things that you collect in this life. The only thing that you will take into eternity is a child. The only thing that's eternal that you will ever be a part of in this life is a child. And God gave us the honor. God gave us the space to say, look, what you can do in this life is this, is raise my kids we get to be a part of that stewardship. It's him. They're, they're his vessels. They are, they are his kids. In Psalms 127, verse 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builder is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, <clears throat> guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Let's pray. Father, so many things in life, Lord, distractive. Even good things. We miss the focal point of why we're here. And that true that we try to be the best uh, parent, parental directive to our children. In many ways, we're just running, running, running. And we miss the importance that it's you that builds. And that when we forsake the, the moment of devotions as a family for running through the drive through so that we can make, make the next soccer game. God, I pray that today would be an alarm that would wake us. Even as we've had an extra hour of sleep, Lord, I know that that's what you want. Lord, you'll give us rest that's not of this world when we realize who you are and what you're doing in our children's lives. Thank you so much for this morning. We'll never have it again. God, may it be effective and purposeful inside of your plan. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. I believe in this so much that uh, there's two families that weren't able to even have and, and take the child dedication step with us today. One of them is, uh, I believe, in um, the, the Carolinas right now because their uh, mother, the grandmother of the child, is deathly ill. And they weren't able to make this weekend and have their child dedicated. Another one is, is because the child that they were going to dedicate went into some, uh, had, actually had to go into ER, into the hospital. We are, what we are doing today isn't just some, some space of interaction that just seems like a good thing to do. It's a God activity. And this is a place where God says that we have the paths of righteousness. Today's a path of righteousness. And there's no greater thing that we can do than see his children, the children of this next generation, raise up and be all that God's called them to be. In fact, I've been uh, doing, my wife and I have been doing a parenting class on Wednesday night. And, I, and you know what? I challenge all of you, parents, to, uh, there's a, basically right now media has Chip Ingram is a, the teaching that we're following. And it's effective parenting in a defective world. 
I challenge every one of you to get the message. Effective parenting in a defective world. And one of the things he talks, in fact, I don't, and I don't want to hit, um, uh, capture his message today because I have my, one God's given me today, but one of the, the stones he calls that is so precious in, in a foundational space of parenting, he says, teach your, parent, teach your kids how to suffer well. That was what we had learned last week. That was just one of the things we learned. I went, I, I went God, I've missed the space. I've tried to keep all my, all my children in so many ways that they wouldn't suffer anything. And this man, through God's word, is teaching that our kids lean to know, learn how to suffer well because when they, they're all gonna suffer. Show me one person in this family hasn't gone through suffering. Every single one of us. But yet how many of us, when we get into that space of disappointment, that all of a sudden we just lose our minds. We lose focal point of who God is and yet Jesus himself suffered. In fact, the Bible says very clearly, he says he learned by what he suffered. So if Jesus learned by what he suffered, how much more so should our children, which means when our kids don't get picked to be on the, game, the, the soccer game, or maybe our kids didn't, you know what, they're not first chair, maybe somehow they practice all they got, and they're third chair. How do we teach our kids that third chair in God is still okay? It's still present. How do we teach them that when all of a sudden things in the world are unfair, that God is still on the throne, he has a design and a plan for their life? Maybe God is letting them go through an unfair moment just so that they can go through that disappointment and they can grow in their character of who God is so that they don't always react to their circumstances because there's a truth inside of them that's bigger than their scenarios. That's the message. And yet so many of us are trying to keep them. And I'm just, just trying to share that we as a church, we're not winning. We as a church family, we're not winning. We as families in today's society, we're not winning. I mean, there's, there's actual speakers right now winning at home. But are we? And the only reason we can win at home is when the Lord builds the house. Is the Lord really building the house? And the only way that the Lord can build, let me tell you something. Um, I'm a builder and you can't build if you're not on site. If God's not on site, if he's not present in your day, how in the world is the Lord going to build? If you're not taking the space of doing devotions, if you're not taking the space of being in the church home, if you're not taking time to get in prayer together, how in the world is God going to build that house when you're not giving him any space to do the building. In Genesis chapter 18, it gives us a passage. In fact, um, and what I love about it is it talks about Abraham. And Abraham, the reason why he was picked, Genesis 18 verse 17, should I hide my plan from Abraham? Do you know that God does not want to hide the plan for your kids? He wants to reveal it to you. The Lord asks, for Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. Now watch this when it says in verse, when, when, I, when I love this verse 18, I have singled him out, for, I'm sorry, 19. I've singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So I have singled him out, which means I'm teaching him the right way of doing it. He's teaching his children the right, right way of doing it. Then I will do for Abraham all that I've promised. So there's a contingency there, which means if, if there's no direction to the children in the way of the Lord, 
then what's going to happen is, is that the things that are God's promised aren't going to unfold. They're not going to unfold. Number one in your study guides, parenting is leading the next generation to respond to God's promises. Do you, do you guys know that God has promises? God has promises for healing. God has promises for reconciliation. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. God has promises for forgiveness. God has promises with hope. God has promises with endurance. God has promises when it comes down to, you know, second chances and third chances. God has promises of insight, show you things to come. God has promises that he gives us a lawyer, an advocate. There are so many promises to unfold inside of a child's life. And yet, you know what? The only way a child's going to recognize those promises is when they're modeled in front of them. Parents, are we modeling these promises? Number two, you will need to lean into the Lord for direction. The Lord is the builder. Lean into him. Unless the Lord builds a house, and I, I can share with you that, if, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, if I have one regret being a parent, it wasn't because I, did, you know, it wasn't I didn't get the Bible out and try to help them with the word, it's because I didn't pray enough with them. I have that sole regret. I wish I would have spent the time, and I was praying for them, but I wasn't praying with them. Yes, we had those Friday um, devotional times and we would go out together and I would pray with them. But let me tell you, tell you something right now. If I ate food as much as I prayed with them, I'd have starved to death. It is time for us to, and some of us really struggle with prayer. And you know, we struggle with praying in front of others. Let me share you what, prayer is really simple. It's just talking to God. It's talking to God. And all of a sudden, when you get over all the unfairness of life, because it's unfair, and when you get over all of the things, the things you're fretting about, because there are things that you struggle with and deal with and that you just don't know how to have an answer to, and when you get through all of that space, prayer, because that's what that is, cast all your care on him, then all of a sudden God speaks. Because God won't be mixed up in your care. He'll be mixed up in his love and understanding to you. So you got to get rid of the care first, download all that, and then all of a sudden, listen. God goes, I got a plan for you. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. Have you ever just sat in prayer long enough to feel his love? There's, that to me, if there's a space of addiction I have in prayer is that space where I just feel the presence of his love. The presence of his love. And then from there, God will begin to move me in other areas of thought and understanding. Three, more things are caught than taught. Learned this a long time ago that my kids don't do what I say. They do as I do. And I started looking at all my kids and they had a problem with speeding. I went, Brenda, slow down. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> but anyway, it's that more things are caught than they're taught. And I'm even, I even heard this uh, funny story about uh, somebody, and I'm not going to tell you who it is, but um, one of my persons on staff, and they said that their, their kid was, they were in a drive-thru, and all of a sudden, you know, they're going to hear from the back of the road, go, lady! And so, <laughs> so anyway, in this, I mean, that, I wonder who was saying that inside the car, you know what I mean? But the things, more things are caught than taught. 
Our kids are learning. In fact, I remember having my granddaughter inside of my um, room and my wife and I were in this little office space and we were talking and, and all of a sudden uh, she was picking up words that at this point she shouldn't be saying. It's not, a, not a swear word like that, but just probably words that we really want, want our one-year-old or two-year-old you know, uh, bringing in and all of a sudden Brenda and I look, boom, more things are caught than taught. And, this, and I find it ironic. It's like those kids have bionic ears. They have a, a way of assembling all the ones that we don't want them to catch and the ones we do want them to catch. Man, we can't, rep- we can't let them catch them for nothing. Right? Love and sweetness. Be kind to the daddy. Be, and, we can, and we can go over all of those words and they just seem to brush over and all of a sudden we'll say the word crap or something like that and all of a sudden, crap, crap, crap. They're saying all these words that we don't want them to repeat, but that's what they seem to grab hold of. Yeah, number, number four, giving them all that what they want is not what they need. Giving a child what they want is not what they need. Psalms 127.2 says, it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Matthew 16.26 says this, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And I'm just going to share with you for all of you that have gone through brokenness or maybe you're a marriage that's gone through a divorce or some kind of separation, you're going to have a tendency. And I, I, want, and I know that there's a lot of them in this house right now, so listen up. You're going to have a tendency to do more than you should. You're trying to make up. When that child has gone through a hurt, that child has gone through a separation, you feel the brokenness, you feel responsible for that space. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. That's immaterial. That child needs security and it needs to hear a no. I got four of you on that one, all right? That child needs to hear a no. They do. And what happens just because of what's gone on through their upbringing, yes, it is unfair. Yes, it, it hurts. And yes, there are things that are going on in our child's life. Let me tell you something. The greatest thing you can give that, that child is security, which means yeses are yeses and noes are noes. They're not maybes. They're not maybes. And you don't yell. One of the first things I love, and we've, I've said the same thing with my, my uh, raising up our kids, and I've done it wrong many times. If you got to yell or you got to bring it to a tone for a child to listen, how in the world is that kid going to ever listen to God's voice? Because God's not going to change his tone for you to listen. He's got a still and a quiet voice. How in the world we got we to gotta teach our kids because we train our kids from the age of two years old that the only way they start changing their behavior is until we raise the tone. And in, what we don't really realize is that we got this child for like say 18 years and the developmental age is like the first six, seven years. We're in the space these first six, and year, six or seven years and we're teaching them that the only way to listen is when the tone changes into an intensity. And so now all of a sudden they're now, we want them to be, you know, uh, young adults. And they're saying, God, you know, Pastor Ron, I want to hear God's voice. And they keep on waiting for God's voice to change its tone. And God won't. He's not going to do that. It's not how God is. 
Number five, our children need to act like Jesus. When we're raising our kids, do not, and I, again, Chip Ingram, I'm gonna steal from him on this one. He goes, look, we are a society today that's trying to think that success, you know, somehow that our child succeeds and it's some monetary thing or some a political thing or some kind of status thing that we as a parent have succeeded. And that's not God's success at all. If our kids, he even said, he goes, look, culturally today, we have, we're pressuring all our children to go into college. We're pressuring all our kids into get higher education. We're pressuring all our kids into some kind of sports or, or some kind of, uh, you know, uh, academia or whatever it is, some arty thing. And so that something of this world that our kids can succeed in and that some way that'll reflect that we as a parent were a success. And we miss the whole point that they're going to live eternally in heaven with a relationship with a heavenly father with a relationship with a God designed and that this whole life here on earth though it may seem long to you 80, 90 years it's just a breath in eternity why are we spending so much time on the breath and not getting ready for the eternal space of hearing God's voice how to forgive teaching our kids how to forgive, how to serve, how to love, how to choose others over themselves, how to hope, how to give. These are the things that are eternally, things that God you know, would, would count as high in his space of maturing. Number six, our children are a gift that when matured will shoot at the enemy. How many of you, like to, how many of you really wanted to see the devil lose? You know that God wants you to raise children to help you in that endeavor? That's what God wants. You know, and it says, in fact, Psalms 127 verse 3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward for him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is he, a man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. I'm looking for my children to destroy the enemy. Number seven. Raising kids is not biological. Just because you brought a child in this world doesn't make you a father or a mother. Raising a child. So here's why when I'm saying this to you, why it's so important, because we can all be mother and father figures. In fact, we just made vows as a church family that we would do that very, very thing. So I'm going to give you, and it kind of gave you a little bit of a, uh, a heads up of it, that a, a, a man named Jehoiada, and you don't really see a lot of, you find him in 2 Kings, and you find him in 2 Chronicles, but what God includes in the word about this man is, is um, literally, it's life-altering, life-changing. And what we're going to, we're going to pick up in 2 Chronicles 22, verse 10, now, uh, Athaliah, this is this wicked grandmother, and I'm not going to read a lot about her, but just, just to give you a kind of a historical moment in a setting, because, you know, some of us go, man, I'm just in a really bad space. I'm really in a, it's really rough where I'm living. You know, uh, you know, this is a tough time to raise kids. I don't think it was tougher than this, but I would agree it's tough. When Athaliah, the mother of King Ahaziah of Judah, learned that her son was dead, Ahaziah was king at that time, she began to destroy the rest of Judah's family. So she went back, instant, intentionally says, I'm going to kill all of my son's children. So she's going to kill all her grandkids. That's pretty sad, pretty wicked, would you not agree? 
All right? And so you'd like to say, okay, God, why aren't you getting rid of this evil? Why aren't you getting rid? Why is this evil allowed to live on? Well, I'm so glad that the Bible includes that God has a plan. God has a design. Though it may take years in the unfolding. We find this in 2 Chronicles chapter 23, verse 1. In the seventh year of this wicked grandmother's reign. So you'd like to have it. How many of you really want things to go way bad faster? Sometimes you go, why doesn't God take care of it right away? So what God was doing in with this young king, this young man, Joash, was the king, this young man, God was building this young man's character inside of the space with Jehoiada. Now, I don't know about you, some of you in this space right now are grand, grandparents, I am. Some of you are right here, aunts and uncles. Some of you are coaches. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are neighbors. And I know that they're, you know what? All of us have a space to get in front of a child's life and be an impression. Jehoiada, all of us can be a Jehoiada. Every one of us can do this. It's not somebody else's responsibility. Jehoiada took on the response of who God was inside of his life. He goes, I am in this time, in this era, going to be an answer to this difficult time. Are you going to be an answer to the difficult time that we're going through as a nation, that we're going through as a, as, as a, in a world culture that's anti-God? Or are you just going to be silent or are you going to rise up and be what God's called you to be? In 2 Chronicles chapter 23, verse 1, it says, In the seventh year of Athaliah's reign, Jehoiada the priest decided to act. It's time, church, to act. He summoned his courage and made a pact with five army commanders, Azariah, son of Jehoram, Ishmael, and I don't need to read on the rest of them. Verse 2, these men traveled secretly throughout Judah and summoned the Levites and clan leaders in all the towns to come to Jerusalem. They all gathered at the temple of God where they were made a solemn pact with Joash. Joash is the young, young boy that literally of all of his brothers were killed by his grandmother. One young, I don't know if he's a year old, I don't know if he's two years old, but he is saved by Jehoiada. He's pulled aside, he's hidden. And he's raised up to live, and he's raised up in the ways of God for the first six to seven. Remember those developmental years? He's raised in those developmental years to know God. Jehoiada said to them, here's the king's son. The time has come for him to reign. The Lord has promised that a descendant of David will be our king. We're going to jump down to verse 11. Then Jehoiada and his sons brought out Joash, the king's son, placed a crown on his head and presented him with a copy of God's law. They anointed him and proclaimed him king, and everyone shouted, long live the king. Now, let me just ask something. This young man's like seven, eight years old. I mean, not a lot can be expected inside of this man. So whomever is the influence in this boy's life, parents, you are the influence in this child's life. Be present in that space. Be present in that space. Act on that space. Do not sit there and try to please and be an appeaser for everything that child wants. Be a leader. Get in front of it. Verse 16. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself and the king and the people that they would be the Lord's people. That's what we just did today. We made a covenant with these families. We made a promise that we would be the Lord's people, that these wonderful little babies, these children here would be God's kids. Will, could we be a church of Jehoiada's that would raise up in the priestly space 
And all the people went over to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They demolished all the altars and smashed the idols. And they killed Matt and the priest of Baal in front of all, in front of the altars. You say, well, Pastor Roman, what does that mean? Well, that means this. Children are children. They have foolishness bound up inside of them. They're going to be moved. They're going to be enticed. They're going to talk about all the wrong things. They're going to speak the wrong things. They're going to remember when the teacher farted. They're not going to remember when the teacher taught them math. That's what they are going to do, okay? They're children. So are you going to respond to the child's behavior and acts and words, or are you going to lead that child? You say, you know what? God has a plan for you, honey. I know that's all funny. Ha, ha, ha. It's really funny what the teacher did. But God has a plan for you. You know, you're going to that school and you're learning, uh, you know, math and you're learning English and you're learning history. It's all because it's all part of the design inside of you that God has. I'm going to pray for you right now. What if we were a church that Jehoda out? I mean, we just every, just every moment we were looking for those spaces. Now, I don't, I'd like to tell you that, you know, as you read on um, into this story and this history lesson, that all went well with Joash because it did start out that way. As long as Jehoda was alive, as long as Jehoda was giving counsel, things were going well. But one day, like any other day, Jehoda, he dies. And what was beautiful about Jehoda is this, is that his son, Zechariah, a prophet, he, raised, he rises up to the day. He rises up to the era of time. And he speaks. And Joash has him killed because he speaks something that's not pleasing in his ears. Again, I say this to you. Our job, everything that we do, is not so that we get all the right results currently. It's because inside we do everything unto the Lord. If your read on what you're doing as a parent is a read that your, your child's happy, you have the wrong read. Your job is not to make your child happy. Your job is to make, help them see who Jesus is in their life. And there's gonna be times where that's not as happy. There's gonna be times where I think, you know what, bring them to, you know what, you're bringing them to church instead of the ball game. Or you're, you know what, you're praying that night instead of watching a ball game. Or maybe you're standing, you know what, helping them do school, even though it's an area that you maybe struggled and had conflict with, you're trying to walk it and figure it all out. And you know what, what you didn't have as a parent, maybe was the first place of, let's pray before we study. God, I thank you that this stuff that I'm learning is not above you. It seems like it's above me but it's not above you. When I was thinking about this, uh, this day, you know, that God has, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. I was thinking about it. And there was two things I really felt the Lord really pricking my heart. One is that the parents that just dedicated their kids. I pray we win there. Parents, grandparents, family, let's be Let's be parents like Jehoiada was to Joash. Let's raise them up in the developmental years and realize that they don't have to be a pro athlete, but they need to know God as their Lord and Savior. They need to learn how to forgive. They need to learn how to give. 
They need to learn how to overcome difficult times. They They need to know how to fulfill a promise if they make a promise. Let's teach them how to hope and love. That's what we need to impart into their life. And then when we go through disappointing times and you will go through disappointing times, don't keep the tears away from them. Shed the tears in front of them. And kneel down with them as you kneel and say, God, I need you today. Let them see your need. Let them capture that space inside of you so that when they come to that need and know that you're not there to meet that need, they know there's a God that is. Because they saw their daddy, they saw their mommy, they saw their step-parent, they saw their adoptive parent, they saw their aunt, their uncle, their grandparent, whatever it might be. But in front of them, they saw someone who had a need that was greater than their hour. And they saw how they bent their need to God. So number two was at the altar today. I've already asked our elders to be prepared for this. I know that my wife and I, we are in so much need as a family, as growing up with our kids. I remember the first time we adopted and the church family wasn't there for us where we were at. The church family, what happened to us, they, they were literally in shock of our decision. They weren't encouraging us. They thought that we had made the dumbest decision of our life. We knew we were following God. And we began to get words. In fact, my oldest daughter was in juvenile detention. My first day of adoption, my, my daughter was littering the court system. And the church family wasn't there next to me praying with me. The church family was then there next to me shaming me. I needed prayer. I needed encouragement in that moment. I didn't have it. Thanks be to God, he was there. But I believe that God has many messages for all of us. And many times the feet and the hands and the tears and the laughter is his family. You're the body, he's the head. And so I can't believe in the space of this large group that there isn't a lot of people in this place hurting and in need. Raising kids in a situation maybe with a youth that's a little bit distraught or maybe there's something going on in the homestead. I'm believing that you need to get out of your seats and come down here at this altar. And we are gonna seek the God that meets our needs. We're gonna seek the God that God has a plan for our day. Thanks be to God who will always lead and we're gonna seek the God that will lead us through. So I want all of us to stand up. And as a family right now, if there's an area in your life, Maybe it's a need of, because of divorce, whatever it might be with need. I want you to have the boldness to know that your God is here today to meet that need. I want you to come right out of your rows and come on down here. Come on down here right now. Don't, I'm not going to wait. I'm just going to ask you to come on down. believe the presence of God is here today and there's nothing greater than the presence of our God so what we're going to do right now is I want you to put your hands this way and 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 I really want you to be sensitive to the space of who our Jesus is 
okay? And then as the Lord, after, we, after I get done praying, if the Lord is leading you to someone, he's already tugging on your heart, some of you right now. If the Lord is leading you, don't you leave this place. You come down here and put your hands on them. You be a part of the conduit of that design that God has. When the Bible says, when one suffer, we all suffer. Let's be the church today that God's called us to be. All right, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you see. Lord, you saw this before. Lord, we woke up this morning and this doesn't surprise you. This, Lord, this, this space right now pleases you because, Lord, we're leaning into you. We lean into you, God, in this moment right now. We ask, you are so great and so precious. You are the Father in heaven. You are the, the great design. And you are a God of reconciliation. You are a God of understanding. You are a God of hope and love. You're a God of forgiveness. You're a God of discernment. Holy Spirit, I pray that you flood this very moment. You touch everyone that God that is kneeling, that is crawling and asking you, God, in this hour, in this moment. I, I pray right now that you bring us together as a church family, as you've called us to be the church in these hours, in these days, that we would not be the church that doesn't understand, doesn't be what you call us to be, but we would rise up as Jehovah's in this congregation and stand and speak and rise up for what you've called us to be. And Father, I thank you right now that you're putting courage, you're putting hope inside of, of these families right now, inside of these leaders. You're putting love, you're putting hope, and, and Lord God, you're putting strength inside of them. You're raising up others around them right now that they are not alone. But God, you are there with them and you're sending others on behalf of it. Greater are we, Father God, inside of you, Lord. Greater are you inside of us, God. Greater are you inside of this, Lord, your church family. Greater are you, Father God, inside of, Lord God, of your love and our, and our humility of understanding. We love you, Lord. And as we worship in these next few minutes, you that are in this, at the altar, God's gonna bring people in this path right now, speak words over you to pray over you. So just understand that. And if you are still in the audience right now and you're still saying, man, I should be up there. Don't, you didn't miss your spot. You didn't miss your opportunity. You can still come up as we worship God. There's still a moment. Listen to that unction, yield to that space. Let's worship our God. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.